Isaac invoked future blessing on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Genesis 17 to Genesis 50. <laughs> so we'll be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> there is a lot. There's so much, so much here. Uh, so um, I'll probably miss uh, some of it. The reason I uh, titled this sermon Future Blessings because that's the expression that's in 1120 um, there where God, by faith, it says Isaac invoked future blessings on uh, Jacob and Esau. I just recently went through Genesis again. Um, and I'm always struck at, at the situation there. And I, I think it's really important when reading through Genesis to remember they did not have the law codified. Um, Moses had not been to Sinai and received even the Ten Commandments. They had the law written on their heart. It refers in Genesis to the fact that they keep God's ordinances and commandments, but it's interesting to me that that um, it's all by direct revelation from the Lord. Uh, they knew right and wrong, they knew, um, but you find, you find some circumstances uh, that you don't find later on as more knowledge, as knowledge of uh, God's revelation increases, responsibility increases. And I think that's a particularly important when you read about the lives of the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and even Joseph. Why do I say that? Because if you look at the, some of the character issues there, you just scratch your head and you think, what in the world is going on with these people? Um, particularly in their families. And if you're discouraged about dysfunctional family situations, just go back and read through Genesis. And you'll feel better. <laughs> because there's, uh, there is dysfunction that's off the charts. And these are the people of faith. And every one of these are commended. It's, all, it's a message of 
we are responsible because we have more information, but it's also a reminder of how gracious uh, God is to us. The theme of my sermon is future blessings, and it's an important point that many have made and, and we should observe about the Christian life, is that God has made us to be future-oriented. We're always uh, looking forward to something, you know, and the great example is Christmas. I mean, who doesn't get excited about Christmas? I know there's some believers <laughs> who don't like to celebrate the day, but I just confess, go back, and, and I think the day is fine. I think, uh, and so that's my faith. If you don't think the day is fine, I accept your faith. And <laughs> Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul instructs us that one observes the day as the Lord and another opposite. I see it as a great opportunity to gather with uh, family and loved ones and, and to celebrate the, the fact of Christ's incarnation. The, but, but whether it's Christmas or whether it's, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people are looking forward to the, some uh, bowl games for your favorite team. Uh, some people are looking forward to um, um, the family gatherings or the family gatherings being over in some cases. We're looking forward to a wedding, uh, Angie's wedding. Uh, we're always, I, I've done more yeah. weddings, or been involved in more weddings this year. I think in the history of my ministry, it's just been like one wedding after another. <laughs> we, we look forward to those things. Um, we look forward to the arrival of a child. Just think of all the things that we think about, we look forward to. And the ultimate looking forward is what is mentioned earlier in chapter 11. Uh, Abraham was looking forward to being in the city of God forever. And he passed that desire on to his heirs, the, the physical and spiritual heirs that God gave him. This precious son of pro promise is Isaac. Now, you read through the life of Isaac, and you're not terribly impressed with him and Rebecca. He's kind of led around by the nose a little bit, and uh, there's not a lot, just not a lot there about, about him. More, you would expect more from this precious uh, son of promise than we see about Isaac. And yet, he is commended. His faith is commended for what? For what he did at the end of his life. Uh, by faith, what does it say? He invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now there's a story for you. Like, there's so many re repeats in Genesis. You have the same cycles of uh, barrenness and then blessing, and then you know you have all these themes that just recur, and you see it in all uh, the patriarchs, and it's um, 
and it, it, it is indeed a lesson of generational uh, family sins and generational family um, traits that are that are passed on. But we know the story. Rebecca conceives and has twins, and Esau is born first, and then Jacob is born afterwards. Um, and there couldn't be twins, and they were obviously fraternal twins, um, that were more uh, different in, in composition and character than Jacob and Esau. And Jacob comes out um, grabbing at the heel of Esau, and from the beginning, he's called his name is Supplanter. He's trying to supplant. He's trying to jump in front of his brother Esau. On the other hand, um, is is th these these are children of promise that come from the same the same uh, parents, and they both are are, are, are people of God. Abraham, I mean Isaac and, and Rebekah, they love the Lord. But there couldn't be a, a greater example of God's electing love than these two children. Same parents, same background. And, and Esau is a vile person. There's no other way to describe Esau than to say he's a vile person. He, he, um, He's the father of the, the enemies of Israel. He's the father of the Edomites and the Amorites, who were the sworn enemies of Israel. So how, how did this come to be? We know it's this strange story where Isaac is old and is, and is blind. He is on his deathbed, and they come to him, and... And Jacob has tricked Esau, not once, but twice, to get his blessing. And, uh, and Esau begs for a blessing, and, and uh, he, he gets one. God tells him through Isaac, he's going to be a great nation, he's going to be a mighty people, and he tells him that there's going to be conflict from then on, which remains to this day, that conflict. Again, it's a reminder for us who have loved ones, children, even grandchildren who are lost, that salvation is God's work. This is this is the passage that the prophet Malachi picks, and the and and the apostle Paul picks in Romans to declare the truth of election. And Malachi says, "Jacob, I love." And Esau, I hated. And 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 Paul quotes Malachi in uh, in Romans to make that same point. Salvation and salvation depends not on our choice, but God's sovereign choice. That should not lead Christian parents to despair. I know if, you, if some of you aren't parents yet or haven't been parents, you, 
it just it's just uh, heart numbing when uh, children don't uh, follow the Lord. The bottom line is God is the author of salvation. He determines it. And that's one of the great lessons of, of this passage. It's by faith that Isaac invoked these future blessings. And it's interesting that he invokes them on Jacob and Esau. And some of the later prophecies are the children of Esau are going to come to know the Lord. And now in this gospel era, salvation is for all nations. Think about that. The future blessings as well are on uh, are from uh, Jacob. Here's another old man. Jacob's dying. He's been a heel grabber all his life. He's supplanted his brother. He's uh, robbed his birthright. He's, he's tricked him and deceived him. Uh, he's run away from Esau, and then he has to confront him as he's crossing the Jabbok to, to, um, to uh, escape, and he's confronted with them, and, and Esau, by God's grace, is gracious to him, and uh, he's able to um, uh, have these blessings in his life, and, and he comes to the end of his life, and his precious son Joseph, who has been delivered into the bondage of Egypt, um, ask him to bless his two children, Ephraim and Manasseh. I, I was reading that again. Jo Why didn't Joseph go get a wife <coughs> back in Canaan? He, could, he was the prime minister. He could have sent away. But he married an Egyptian lady. And so they're called the half-tribes of, of uh, always, always puzzled about that, of Manasseh and Ephraim. But, but uh, again, so he, here's this generational issue. Joseph is dying, and he says he, he leans, what does it say, at the end of his life, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm skipping over 21. Jacob, with dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Oh, here it is. Bowing in worship over the head of the staff. I read Matthew Henry's commentary on this before tonight, and I... I didn't know that there's some kind of worship of, of, that the Roman church attributes to this, some kind of uh, excuse for an imagery. I don't know. I, I've never heard that before. That was like, <laughs> and, and that's, but I know, but, and so that didn't make sense to me. If anybody knows about that, please see me afterwards and complete my education how that is. But what I did read made total sense. What does that mean? He, he leaned on the head of his staff what was the symbol of Jacob's life? He was a wanderer. He went all over the place. He was, he was um, here and he was there. And at the end of his life, he leans on that symbol. He said it, it said he was a stranger and a sojourner. And at the end of his life, he leans on his staff and he invokes the blessings on Ephraim and Manasseh. And I try to picture this in my mind. He puts Manasseh, the oldest, at the right, and, and um, Jacob is leaning on his staff, and he puts 
Manasseh on his right hand. And the way I picture it in mind, he's leaning on the staff and he puts uh, his left hand on Ephraim. And it's a picture of the older should receive the blessing. And Jacob and, and Joseph does this, and then Jacob deliberately reverses it. It's an awkward moment, and Joseph doesn't like it. Again, this is where the direct revelation of God uh, kicks in. But Joseph's heart is concentrated by the fact that he is fixing to leave this world. Um, it was the English um, Samuel Johnson, I think, uh, said uh, nothing, nothing concentrates a man's mind like the fact that he is about to be hanged in a fortnight. In other words, if you're facing death, it concentrates your mind. And this is what is happening uh, in the life of Jacob. He is deliberately, according to God's plan, showing where the blessing should be. And Ephraim becomes one of the leading tribes in Israel, and Manasseh fades into obscurity. And why? Again, it's God's sovereign grace demonstrated by the faith that he works in Jacob. And then finally we come to Joseph. This, this precious um, son of, of uh, Jacob, you remember the story, how distraught he was that his son, he had lost his son, and he had another son, Benjamin, and he didn't want uh, him to go down to Egypt, and Joseph is the, he doesn't know, and the brothers don't know, that Joseph is the, is the, the, um, the essentially the prime minister or the king of Egypt, and they, um, they finally go and he finally reveals himself uh, to them. And, and so Joseph, here we have, have another old man at the end of his life. It's interesting, all these patriarchs, their, their life is reduced to the end. Their life is concentrated at the end. What is, it, what is on Joseph's mind? He just, he has been elevated to this huge status. He, he, he saved his family. He saved the nation of Israel. They're going to be there for 400 years. And what is his faith commended for? He gave directions about his bones. This, along with several other people, asked me about cremation. I, I'll just tell you, I'm not a fan, biblically speaking. 
God, but I also know many believers have been, have been burned at the stake. Your ashes scattered. So I know God is sovereign. He can gather molecules of people from wherever they're scattered. And if you've had loved ones, and, and, and it happens. People people get cremated. And, and I, we've had people in our church. That's their wishes. Um, but passages like this point me to the fact that God made us with a body. And even the human remains of our body, it's important how they're treated. I could go to Sarah, I could talk about Sarah's funeral, I could talk, I could go back and forth, and, and uh, I, I don't mean to, that's just a, a side point. But Joseph, it's, his faith is commended by the fact that his bones should go back. Who, Phil? Is Phil, are you here? You gave me this, you pointed me to this video series on Egypt, right? That was you, right? And, and, and it's fascinating. If you, what's the name of that? Do you remember the name of it? I couldn't remember the name of it. It's, it's something about, uh, find out from Phil, he'll remember eventually. But this incredible documentary of, of, the, of the biblical evidence of, of Israel and Egypt. And I, I believe the guy has nailed it, absolutely nailed it, and documented it. And, and he, he points out that they probably weren't mainly headquartered in Giza. They were probably in um, what they call Lower Egypt, there in Egypt, but it's actually north in, on the map. They do it by the Nile. The, the Nile runs backwards in my mind. It does. But Is it Patterns of Evidence? That's it. I just Googled it. Patterns of Evidence. <laughs> patterns of Evidence. I, I, get that and enjoy a holiday viewing of that with your families because it's so well done. And it points out that the, the, the children of Israel were probably up in, in the uh, northern part of Egypt and, uh, and the area um, that is Goshen, the land of Goshen. And, that's, and, and there was this incredible temple there. Uh, in the manner of the Egyptian pharaohs, where they found this empty uh, tomb that was painted in Hebrew colors. And they found them on the hieroglyphs, and I'm not making it up, so it's, it's just fascinating to look at. So Joseph left this fabulous position in Egypt. Or, or, I mean, in the Egyptian mind, that, that, those pyramids and their burial immortalized them, and they, 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 took, they tried to take it with them. It, it, it cracks me up. If you go to the museum in Egypt, they show you all these gold, uh, enclosures they were buried in that someone dug up and robbed all their graves because they didn't ultimately take any of it with them. But Joseph was concerned about the legacy that he belonged in the promised land uh, as a as a witness to to his people. It was by faith he mentioned the return 
as he was dying, that they were going to return. You read that over in the end of Genesis 49, 50. He knew that they would return to the land of, or make or conquer the land of promise, and it would be theirs. There's several points of application I want to make in closing. Number one, you can't manipulate God's plan. Who, who can know the mind of God? The Apostle Paul asks in Romans 11.33. Who can know the mind of God? And the, and the truth is we cannot know. How could, how, could, how could anyone have known the details of God's plan uh, to uh, bring his son into the world, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, that he would go to Egypt, that he would be called out of Egypt in order to proceed on his mission. That he would be called a Nazarene. We read through the Gospels and the Men's Bible study. That he's called a Nazarene. That's not a Nazarite, it's a Nazarene. That he would be raised in the town of Nazareth. You, you couldn't make up the details of Jesus' life in the fulfillment of all the prophecies if you try. God's plans are not subject to our manipulation. He declared it and they come to pass. And second, you can't take his plan for granted. Again, uh, look at Jacob as he blesses Ephraim as he unties those hands. The, the truth is, God's uh, kingdom is advanced according to his will. That we are not to be concerned and so wrapped up about things here that we don't focus on his kingdom. We are to, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 32, 33. We are to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things are added to us as a consequence and that God's plan doesn't fail in spite of human frailty. Isaac was a weak man. He, he, he was a weak man. Jacob was a, was a conniver. Joseph at the, in his early years as a young man, he was a he infuriated his brothers by his uh, lack of decorum. So much so, they sold him into slavery. And yet God overruled those circumstances and brought them all at the end, end of the day to a place to understand that God's ways are not man's ways. That everything depends not on the will of man, but upon God's sovereign choice, and that he will ultimately triumph. You know, as parents, as grandparents, when our children, our grandchildren, we, we are often so concerned about the wrong things for our children. We want them to be healthy, we want them to be well, we want them to be successful. Well, the truth is, 
what we want we should want above all things is they know the Lord and follow him I get so discouraged when I when I hear you know sometimes I hear the parents whose children have uh, surrendered for the ministry or the mission field and they're all upset well look if your child has a call from God to be in the ministry or on the mission field you should start doing cartwheels of joy because nothing else matters um, God sovereignly appoints us these people are, are uh, just plain sinners that's the other great encouraging application uh, these men and women that are mentioned in this chapter they're just plain sinners that God sovereignly saves and uses for his glory to advance his kingdom uh, that's the message of illustration of uh, Hebrews 11 over and over and over again we'll, we'll continue that uh, next Sunday morning Lord willing Father, thank you for, for these patriarchs who you put uh, at the front of your word to illustrate life of faith. Thank you for the writer of Hebrews who takes their life and applies them to that situation in the first century as well as our present situation for all time until Jesus comes again. Help us to be comforted tonight that you sovereignly overrule all, all things for your own glory. And even those situations, Father, we, we want to manipulate and we want to change in our own family dynamics, that you're sovereign over those. And that uh, we are simply to be faithful to call upon you urge our family and friends as we gather with them to do the same and to be filled not with anxiety and upset but to be filled with joy that you are sovereignly overruling it all for your own glory and for our good because you love us and we pray for this understanding from your word tonight in Jesus name amen Closing him is 317.